What up, fam? It is the SmartSlayer.com here, and I am proud to uh, present to you the newest installment to the Fourth Wall Podcasting family, the K-Fabe Classics. So how this is going to work is leading up to, at some point, all the big shows coming up. I will go back in history, and we will just highlight, a little short podcast highlighting one of the uh, great events of that of that certain events past i was kind of worried it made no sense but don't worry about it you'll pick up quick i know you're all smart out there so the royal rumble is coming up this sunday and i have been binge watching royal rumbles lately and that's what gave me the idea to do this like man i should talk about some of these old rumbles so the one that's jumped out to me so far is the 1998 royal rumble it is the first royal rumble of the attitude era officially and with all the talk about Attitude era like programming coming into WWE as of late. I thought it'd be a good place to start. Lots of huge names, um, lots of great legendary names. Um, um, memorable, very memorable Royal Rumble match, along with uh, five other matches. So let's just quick talk about the card first. The night opened with Big Van Vader, who was only Vader in WWE, who was a face at this point and super, super over. One of the most misused talents in the history of WWE. Um, this was towards the end of his run and his his only run in WWE, and he went up against not Goldust, but the artist formerly known as Goldust. Uh, for those of you too young to remember this, Goldust was the weirdest character ever when he came out in 1996. He was completely freaked out by his weirdness his flamboyance when you know when i was 12 years old it was like nothing i'd ever seen before sort of uncomfortable especially when he was facing guys like ahmed johnson and razor ramon but he actually found a way to get weirder in 1998 he aligned himself with luda vachon and he sort of became a dominatrix for lack of a better word and uh he had a feud with vader that took him into the royal rumble and they had actually a pretty good opening match, under 10 minutes, short and sweet. They, they had got the job done. Uh, Vader got the win. And it was a good way to kick off the first Attitude Era. It was a very Rumble. It was a very Attitude Era storyline. Vader was a very Attitude Era type character. The artist formerly known as Goldust was your prototype for sleazy Attitude Era um, attitude era characters so nice way to get the night started we then moved on to a midget match something you never see in wwe anymore max mini mosaic and nova defeated battalion el torito and tarantula um the biggest thing to talk about in this match was sunny sunny was the special guest referee man she was fucking awful like she was amongst some of the worst on-air talent in the history of wwe you want to talk about nothing but eye candy and she was awkward in the rain she was awkward as a ref she was awkward on the mic this was an awkward match because she was apparently in a relationship with one of the little wrestlers not much to talk about here we move on to the rock the Rock was 
in you know, full-on nation of domination mode at this point. He was about to usurp Farouk as the leader of the nation of domination. He hadn't quite done it yet, but the seeds had already been planted and the seeds would, would grow in, in the Royal Rumble match later on that night. Uh, the Rock came into this Rumble as the Intercontinental Champion, and he had a match with Ken Shamrock. So Ken Shamrock, what a, what a name that we've all forgotten about over the years. The world's most dangerous man. The first UFC crossover star in WWE, then WWF. I remember watching Ken Shamrock on you on the old UFC cards i would actually rent the vhs tapes from the local video store and that's how i kind of discovered ufc because i was a big wrestling fan and i stepped i was like oh you like wrestling you should come watch some real fighting so we got this ufc thing and shamrock and tank abbott were there and shamrock was he was the baddest motherfucker like there was no doubt about it and he took that to WWE. He never had the success in, in WWF that he had, you know, in the octagon. He was an intercontinental champion. Uh, he did not win the intercontinental championship this night. He it was one of the great swerves in the history of WWF slash WWE. I think I'm going to continue calling it WWF tonight. I hope you guys can enjoy that and get into that because this was during WWF. Shamrock had appeared to have won the match, but uh, he accidentally uh, he had some uh, brass knuckles accidentally planted into his tights that the rock had brought into the ring. And the rock had brought this to the referee's attention and the referee reversed the decision. It was classic heel rock. It got a the crowd hated it. Um, it, It was a good way to keep the title on the rock without having him beat and shamrock who the wwf was definitely trying to push as a big star at this point some solid booking in my book dirty but solid there were bigger plans for the rock that night without a doubt and we'll get to those when we get to the rumble uh the tag team championship match at the time um the champions were the new age outlaws i believe this was right before they officially joined dx i know they were they were seen, you know, hanging out with Sean and Triple H at the time. So I don't think they were quite in it yet, but they faced the Legion of Doom or, or the Road Warriors, as I prefer to call them. This nothing special about this match um, was the best booked match. It wasn't done as well as the Rock and Shamrock match, which, you know, even wasn't the best, but it got you through the mid card. It was entertaining. It was attitude error. After this match, you got to the actual Royal Rumble, and this is where the fireworks of the night started. This Royal Rumble was stacked with talent. The number one and number two entrants were Cactus Jack and Terry Funk going by the name Chainsaw Charlie, and they put on a brutal, brutal opening display for the Rumble. They were vicious. They were hardcore. They were everything that you would want to see these two do in the rain. And it started off a little WWE feud between them. Uh, they re, um, Cactus Jack was eventually eliminated by Funk at nine minutes, but it was not the last you would see of Cactus Jack because this was the famous rumble where Mick Foley entered three times. He came in as Mankind at number 16. And he lasted for two minutes as Mankind before being eliminated by the artist formerly known as Goldust, who was also in the Rumble. It was very common for 
um, undercard match participants to be in the Rumble during this era. And after Mankind was eliminated, he came back a little later on. This time as Dude Love, the 28th entrant. And he adds, he has he lasted seven minutes and 53 seconds before eliminated, being eliminated by Farouk. So let's talk about some other names that were in this rumble. The rock of course came in fourth. We also had Owen Hart who came in ninth, but was attacked by Jeff Jarrett, who was making a run and WWE at the WWF at the time, but he was technically in the NWA. This was that short period of time where the NWA and the WWF Kind of had a little working relationship again. Didn't last long. Good feud between Jared and Hart started here. Um, we go from there. Also, big names on the list. Uh, we got Jeff Jarrett, the Honky Tonk Man, a surprise entrant. At that point, the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. Lasted almost 20 minutes in the Rumble. So, really impressive stuff. Uh, a young Mark Henry recently had just joined the Nation of Domination only a week prior on Raw. Uh, the Nation of Domination were big in this Raw. Uh, Mark Henry lasted a long time. The Rock was in there a long time. Farouk was in the Final Four. As I said, this, this the seeds had already been planted for The Rock usurping Farouk, and you saw it really come to play here when The Rock did eliminate Farouk in this Rumble. The, all, all the Nation guys were going at each other in this Rumble. D'Lo, Mark Henry, Farouk, Farouk also eliminated Mark Henry in the Rumble. So this was the beginning of the end of the nation. Um, one of the huge storylines throughout 1997 in WWF. Uh, the big story of the Rumble, though, was Stone Cold Steve Austin. Austin had won the 97 Rumble in famously dirty fashion. When Bret Hart eliminated him, nobody saw him, and Austin sucked back in and eliminated Bret Hart. That, of course, led to the fatal four-way match in February, which Bret Hart would win only to lose to Sid a night later. And then Sid would lose to the undertaker and and undertaker would have his first WrestleMania moment this year, though, there were no, there were no uh, hijinks from stone cold Uh, stone cold had made himself a marked man leading up to the rumble. He had made himself, you know, public enemy number one in the locker room. And there was rumors whether he would actually make it to the ring. Well, stone cold didn't make it to the ring. He was a 24th entrant, and in that time, he eliminated seven men in the Rumble. Count it. Seven men. The men he eliminated in this Rumble, most famously The Rock, who were, they were the last two standing. This was the first time you saw the Stone Cold and The Rock, you know, really in a high-profile moment with world title impl- implications. So you got to see the future. You saw what the next you know, few years had in store for WWE by having Stone Cold and The Rock be the last two in the ring. Brilliant booking. The Rock was, I guess, just starting to really get over with the audience. Obviously, he had a really rough start in WWF, as did Stone Cold, but Stone Cold turned it around a lot quicker. It was great to see WWF actually realize that they had two generational talents and they built the end of that rumble around them. Stone Cold also eliminated eight ball in this rumble. Uh, all the disciples were in this rumble. The disciples were never one of my favorite factions. I th- always thought they were kind of lame and just kind of mid card rubbish. Uh, Stone Cold also eliminated Wild Man Mark Marrow in this rumble. He eliminated Thrasher from the Headbangers in this rumble. 
He eliminated Kama Mustafa, another Nation of Domination member, and his longtime rival at this point, Savio Vega. Savio Vega, many forget, was, I would say, was Stone Cold's first real rival in WWE. I remember their Caribbean strap match from an in-your-house during this era. <laughs> One of the first times you really saw the Stone Cold Steve Austin personality really come into effect. Um, as I said, this was there was a lot of big names in this rumble, and there was a lot of there was a couple cool surprises. You know, the whole mankind coming in three times, or Mick Foley coming in three times, the hockey talk man having a nice run. Uh, the final four in the rumble were Farouk, The Rock, Stone Cold, and, and oh, my notes have failed me for a second here. I believe it was yeah, Dude Love. Dude Love was the next to last one. So you have a loaded final four right there, four legends of the ring. That's what you want to see in a, in a Royal Rumble. You want to see four big name guys going at it. You have two up and comers, two guys who've kind of already made their name for themselves. Obviously, you know, fruit made his name as Ron Simmons in WCW becoming, I believe the first African-American NWA champion ever. Um, you had, Dude Love, who had already made his name on the extreme wrestling circuit. And he had to, it said two up and coming legends in Stone Cold and The Rock. Stone, this was Stone Cold's real coming out party, as far as I'm concerned. I know he had won the Rumble in 97. I know he had beaten uh, Sean for the. Oh, no, he didn't be. So, yeah, no, he, I'm sorry, not Sean. I know he had the submission match with Bret Hart in 97 at WrestleMania 13. But this was the real coming out party. He won this Rumble. That started the whole Mike Tyson, Stone Cold, DX storyline, which was an awesome build into WrestleMania for an awesome match between Sean and Stone Cold, where Stone Cold would finally win his first WWF championship and the era of Austin would officially begin with a title reign. So speaking of Shawn Michaels, he did wrestle on this match. This was the third of Shawn Michaels and Undertaker's five matches, probably... Maybe not the lead, maybe not, not, definitely not the best. You know, obviously the Hell in a Cell match and the two WrestleMania matches are one, two, and three. This match, though, was really good for it was booked. Uh, Sean did win the match, he did beat Undertaker, but it was only because of Kane. Uh, leading up to this, it had seemed that Undertaker and Kane, leading up to the Rumble, had ended their uh, feud and buried the hatchet and become the Brothers of Destruction. But it was not meant to be, as Kane came out and basically cost the Undertaker the title. And he locked Undertaker in the casket. Paul Bearer was with him. This was when Paul Bearer had brown hair, which I always thought was really, really weird. And him and Paul Bearer brought that casket back out to the entranceway. They've chopped holes in it. They set that some bitch on fire. Everybody thought the Undertaker was on fire. I was what thirteen years old. Undertaker was my favorite wrestler at the time. I was like, oh my god, the Undertaker's dead. What the fuck, you asshole, Kane? Kane was an awesome heel. What a great first year for Kane in WWF. You know, coming in and just wreaking havoc on the unbeatable Undertaker. So how it ended. Kane comes back out. He he rolls the casket out, sets it on fire. I believe it was a uh, commissioner slaughter at the time, or commissioner slobber as DX liked to call him. Opened up the uh, opened up the casket. Taker's not there, and you no know, classic Taker move. 
this would lead to Undertaker and Kane's first WrestleMania match at WrestleMania 14, which Taker, of course, would win because he was in the midst of the streak at that point. I believe that was the sixth win of the streak. The streak started at WrestleMania 7. He didn't wrestle at WrestleMania 10, so it's 7, 8, 9, 11, 12, 13, 14. The seventh win of the streak, sorry. So, once again, a very well-done card. While the match between Sean and Undertaker was far from their finest effort, the story told in the match between Taker and Kane is what stole the show. You don't always need to have the wrestlers actually wrestling in the match steal the show. You can just tell a good story in pro wrestling. Remember, it's a TV show. It's scripted. It's no, not real fighting in that sense. So, so, you know, you got, you got what you paid for. I think when you look at this rumble, you got a great rumble match with up and coming guys, getting the bump and getting the nod. You had a classic rivalry that was in its infancy between Sean and Taker taking the main event. You can make an argument to say that the rumble should have been the main event, but with the way that card ended with Taker and the casket on fire. You couldn't have come back from that. You just couldn't have come back for that. That being said, this was uh, the first of many great Attitude Era Royal Rumbles. There was a lot of great matches during the Attitude Era in the Royal Rumbles. Um, by 1999, Mick uh, Foley was your champion. And The Rock was challenging him in a famous I Quit match in 2000. Nick Foley was once again in a great Royal Rumble match against Triple H in the street fight at the Garden. You know, Mick Mick Foley was a great Royal Rumble performer. Um, This was one of his first great Royal Rumble performances coming in three times. Stone Cold Steve Austin kind of, I always felt, took the... uh, torch from Shawn Michaels in Royal Rumble performances. Shawn Michaels pretty much carried a lot of those mid-90s Royal Rumble were really bad. And Stone Cold Steve Austin took that torch and set that some bitch even more on fire than it already was. Had a lot more to work with than Shawn felt that did at those times. Um, the Just with the Attitude Era in general, the Royal Rumble in the Attitude Era is just set up for a lot of great things. The no, the no DQ match. Um, Stone Cold Steve Austin would find himself and many other Royal Rumble. He won the 2001 Royal Rumble. He uh, got screwed by McMahon in the 99 Rumble. But this one, I feel, was his greatest Royal Rumble moment, eliminating seven guys when he was a marked man and then having his first huge stare down with The Rock. Go check it out if you haven't watched in a while. The 1998 Royal Rumble. Undercard is so-so, but once you get to the main event, you got some really good entertaining wrestling television. On that note, that is the end of the first episode of Kayfabe Classics. I am your host, Doc Haas. You can find me on Twitter at D-R-H-A-A-S-E, number four, W-C. Kayfabe Classics is actually going to be a fourth wall Patreon exclusive for those who contribute $3 and up to our Patreon campaign. You can contribute starting on February 1st at patreon.com backslash fourth wall wrestlecast that's fourth wall spelled f o u r t h w a l l w r e s t l e c a s t once you contribute all the kayfabe consumption is yours to slay and devour you can listen to the fourth wall wrestlecast og on wrestle addict radio and all other major podcast platforms be sure to follow us on twitter and instagram at 
number four T H W A L L C A S T. That's fourth wall cast for those of you hard of spelling. Until the next time, I'm Dakas. You keep on slaying.